Hello and welcome to YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 71. I'm Christina Suzuma, and with me, as you can see, is our wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Hello, Dr. Woolman. Um, hello to you, Christina. <laughs> That's always a fun part. I know that I could start speaking immediately, but I really love that part where you do that hello. <laughs> so I wait. I'll wait as long as I possibly can before I have to say anything. <laughs> Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Magical Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Glenn Wallman. I will be your host along with Christina today as we search another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy looking for optimal health. Uh, today, we're going back inside the doctor's bag, where I want to uh, promote uh, some preparatory medicine. Those of you that watch the show uh, or listen to the show know that as a medical guide, I continuously am talking about preventive medicine, but I also talk about preparatory medicine. And today, we're going to be talking about the medical history and how you can prepare for it. So, Christina, if anybody has any questions, they may want to write in. Uh, how do they get in touch with us today? Uh, yes, of course. Um, during this live presentation, you can actually scroll down on your screen and you will see a little box, a little comment question box there. Just type your comment or question into the box and remember to click submit. I'll receive it on my side and what we'll do is read it out to Dr. Woolman and he can give you an answer. And we apologize today. We do not have the phone lines open today because we've had some technical things. That's why we're starting a little late today. But but um, believe me, during this whole time, you can type it into that little box. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. wonder how you type into that small little area. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Braille. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as a medical guide, when we usually have a guest, I try to prepare everyone for the path we're going to take. So today... We're going to talk about the medical history and the history of medicine, and we're going to uh, look at the reasons to learn your medical history and to why it's good for you to have one and know about it and have it on record, and then things that can be done for it, and then we'll get into a little bit of what the actual medical history is and how you can prepare this. Uh, so... When we start out in medicine at the very beginning of when there were healers that started emerging on the planet, either in a tribe or a clan somewhere, eventually they became known as the, the healer or the medical spirit or the medicine spirit or something in, to that effect. And whoever in the tribe or clan or wherever the village had a problem, they would come to that person and it would start out usually with some kind of a discussion about what's going on, why they're there, what they need. And then the uh, healer would, based on their own knowledge, and then they would examine the person doing a somewhat of a physical exam. And then they would think of the right herbs and spices and remedies and tinctures and pulses and a number of other things to put on to treat people. And when we came into modern medicine, Sir William Osler uh, kind of defined how we should be taking care of our patients. And the first thing he said is to do an extensive history. 
And this consists of many different things in terms of the medical history. And we, we are going to break that down and talk about that uh, in a little while as part of today's uh, program. But he also, he also mentioned that if, if a doctor was able to take a really extensive and good, careful history, and also assuming that the patient knew the answers or gave honest answers, then you had a very good chance, almost a 95% chance of making diagnosis right then, just by asking the right questions and getting the right answers. But then he also added the physical examination to it, which then should pretty much almost confirm everything that you thought in the history. And then now in more modern medicine, then we start using laboratory tests and imaging studies, which we talk about all of these during many of our shows, eventually coming up with a diagnosis and therefore a treatment program. But also, as we know, this is a, you know, everything is in transition in medicine. And this talk today is even about a transition period in medicine, because right now, you know, most of you and your experiences that have gone to a physician, there's no longer an opportunity to sit down and, and take a complete history and and in the way that it's meant to be taken. That could take sometimes up to an hour and a half or two hours to take a really good history. And we all know now that uh, very few uh, physicians and healers have that chance anymore. Maybe in some of the integrative uh, healing programs, you see a little more of that. But in Western medicine, not as much anymore. Although I must say that every once in a while, I hear of a patient that's gone to their doctor and they spent uh, a very good amount of time with them and the patient always felt good about that. So one of the things that doctors have done is they've developed a form that you fill out. And you know, you walk into your doctor's office for the first time and you have many types of forms. Uh, you have the insurance forms and other things, but now the doctor, instead of taking the uh, all of the history, they're only going to take pretty much the history of why you're there that day. So they have the form that will help with your past medical history, and that's what we want to talk about today, uh, filling out that form and having it ready for you. And so what I'm going to say here is that in understanding your past medical history and combine, combining and combi compiling it in terms of a family tree and conditions that are common in your family, there are many benefits to doing this. You know that when you get into the doctor's office, if you're not feeling well or uh, you're in pain and you have this form to fill out, many of the things may not come to your memory right away. Uh, you may leave things out or you you may not have all of the information that would be beneficial to the doctor for you. So my point today is to develop this ahead of time, and that's what we're going to talk about. But what are the reasons why you should develop this ahead of time? Well, there's many reasons. Uh, but first of all, let me just say that in putting this uh, history together for, your, for you, you and your family, it's not going to guarantee that you're not going to get diseases, but it's going to talk to you about uh, what possibilities there are of risks of diseases and other things. So it allows one to assess the risk of certain diseases clearly, but it also 
has for the doctor. It can recommend treatments or changes in lifestyle or uh, habits that might reduce, again, the risk of the d- disease. When the doctor sees certain things, as I said before, after a history and a physical exam, they think about diagnostic tests. Well, sometimes they can get hints and clues from the past medical history, which will either eliminate or uh, bring on the possibility of diagnostic tests. Also, as you become a patient of a doctor, you may want to get periodic screening tests. There are mammograms and ultrasounds, uh, colonoscopies, etc., And if you know in your family history there's a more frequency, say, of a colon cancer, uh, it might be something that guides you and the doctor to the type of test and the frequency of the test. Also, we're we're talking more and more about genetics and the genome. There are many diseases, and probably at the end of the day, almost all of the diseases will have some kind of a genetic component to them. So this also helps in determining whether genetic testing should be done. Uh, it might detect a condition or give give information that might help the doctor in looking for a condition that you might not have considered when you come into somebody. Uh, it also identifies other family members that might have a risk of some kind of a disease that they may not know about. So if you discern something within your family tree and you have siblings or cousins or relatives that may not have uh, these this bit of information, it's a good idea to be able to uh, give that information to them. It also obviously assess a, a risk of passing on something genetic or some kind of a condition to your own children. And as I said before, it, it doesn't actually predict what your health is going to be in your future, but it does offer offer benefits and opportunities to modify, for example, lifestyle. You know, we talk about weight and diet and exercise routines and exposures to uh, chemical compounds in the environment. Also, we've talked many times about stress and sleep. Right, Christina? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I I, I love how when we look into uh, a lineage, um, uh, we have a choice. We have a choice to to be proactive, <laughs> which is great. It's like my my family has a whole history of high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and as I was watching this, my parents and then my siblings, I was said, I don't think so. <laughs> and they said, You wait, you wait till you hit forty. You'll be on the medication and everything. I don't think so. <laughs> and completely circumvented it. Knock wood. Knock wood. No, that's true. And I'm glad you used the word proactive because this is what our program is about much of the time, being proactive. And by doing this, uh, you have the opportunity to be proactive in your family. So I would say that you need to begin to make a file on each member of the family. And if you have a child that is very young now, start a file on that child and put in many of the things that we're going to talk about Uh, as we go on through the program today, and make sure that eventually they get that file and that they take care of it and keep updating it throughout their life so that when it comes time to fill out that form, uh, it will be Mm -hmm. a lot easier. And not only that, but because of uh, modern day, you know, sometimes uh, you can put it on a, a thumb a thumb drive or whatever the newest concept is. You can have all of your information there. 
So I would say start a file on yourselves and anyone in your family and make sure that file stays with you for the rest of your life so that you can add to it and it will help you and the doctor in your uh, program to determine what's going to happen in your life. Now, there are there are a couple of things that you may run into. There may be some deep, dark secrets in the family when you're trying to pry into what did great-great-grandmother have and maybe someone doesn't want to talk about it. So certainly, you know, you want to encourage them to try and talk about it for the sake of the benefits of the health of everyone living now. But if if people don't want to talk about it, they're reticent to do anything like that, then let it go and just get as much as you can. So let's talk about medical history. <clears throat> Usually when somebody comes in, they start with a chief complaint. That's why they're in there. I, my abdomen hurts or I have a sore throat or I can't move my arm. That's a chief complaint. And then we talk about the history of the present illness. Now, I'm not going to speak about these today because I think in a few of our other episodes of Inside the Doctor's Bag, we looked at episodes 43, episode 46, and episode 52, all things that will help you. If you go back to them, you will learn things that will help you in your doctor's visit and your present illness and things like that. So I want to skip over the chief complaint. That's not something you can prepare anyway. And if you can, <laughs> I want to go to Las Vegas with you and, and talk to my financial advisors. That's good. I like that. <laughs> oh, good. Within how far did we get to a point that you liked it? Well, it's, it's like we're not going to talk about the chief complaint. <laughs> not today. <laughs> not today. Uh, because this isn't part of the form that you fill out. This is this is in the past, and these are things. This is your whole past medical history. So, what does a past medical history consist of? It consists of many things, and it consists basically of your medical history, your surgical history, your obstetrical history, and a psychiatric history. And we talk about medicine. We talk about major illnesses that you should write down, such as if you have diabetes or you have congestive heart failure or you had, a, as a child, uh, pneumonia, things like that. We also talk about surgical history, and these are surgical operations, anything that you've had, uh, <clears throat> including a circumcision. You know, that's a, mm -hmm. that's a surgical procedure, but those things should all be noted in your past medical surgical history, uh, operations, appendix, appendicitis, or an appendectomy, uh, tonsillectomy, uh, cholecystectomy, which is the gallbladder, whatever kind of procedures, including uh, plastic surgical procedures uh, of any kind uh, or reconstructive surgeries. We certainly talk about obstetrical uh, issues, and we're going to break that down a little bit more in a few minutes, and then also psychiatric illnesses. When I start working with one of my clients as a medical guide, I always start with when I'm talking to the client, I ask them about their mother's pregnancy of them. Mm. And this is something that if you are a parent right now and you are the mother or you're the father that remembers certain things, you should write down a few things for your child to know about the actual pregnancy. Was it a normal pregnancy that lasted nine months? Did you have eclampsia? Did you have, did you get diabetes during your pregnancy? Uh, 
were drugs taken for certain reasons or prescribed for certain reasons? Uh, what kind of things happened during the pregnancy? And also the delivery. Was it a normal vaginal delivery or was it a C-section? Did it have to be done under emergent conditions? Um, we also have something called an APGAR score when a child is born where they assess uh, the pulse, the color, uh, the respirations, a number of other things, and they give that a score right at, at birth, and they give it a few minutes later, and they compare those scores to make sure everything is good. If you happen to know those scores, it's very good information for a child to know about how that moment of delivery happened for them. Maybe there was a complication, there wasn't enough oxygen getting to the brain for the first five or six minutes, and that might be an issue that needs to be dealt with. So I think it's it's very good to uh, get that information down for your child because usually when I ask somebody, you know, how was the pregnancy, how was your mother's pregnancy, they go, well, I don't remember. I think it was okay or uh, they don't remember most of it. So, <laughs> you know, now there are a few people and I imagine more people on Trinity of Life that you interview that do remember their birth. <laughs> and if we talk to uh, Peter Wright that, uh, past life regression therapist. Yes. He may remember many births. <laughs> so uh, I think it's important to write that down and keep that in the file for the child. And then as you go through that, I then ask the person, I go through just a chronological order with with everyone. So I ask, okay, now that we've figured out your birth and how the birth went, and was it a C-section or vaginal delivery, as I said, and were there any complications? Then you start talking about childhood illnesses and injuries, and you should be detailed in that also for the child's sake and for the sake of the adult when they grow up to know certain things, including immunizations, uh, medications that were given. Did you get the major childhood illnesses? Uh, things have changed since when I started uh working in medicine because people were still getting measles and mumps. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot more people now are not getting that because of immunizations. But I have a tendency to still ask that question. Uh, so it's good to know that. And any anything that might be, from, even from a psychiatric point of view, if a child has some studying disabilities or emotional issues, those all need to be dealt with because you know, as you know, and as we speak about in uh, many of these shows, we talk about body, mind, and spirit, and all of the these contribute to illnesses and injuries in people. So it's good to have all of that. When I then move on in the history and physical, well, actually just in the history part, so we're, we finished the childhood uh illnesses and immunizations and injuries and surgeries. And then we start moving into adulthood where, again, you write down and you make note of all hospitalizations, all illnesses, what medications you were on, how you recovered, were there any deficits, things like that. All of these things can come into play at some point in your life during a uh, another type of illness, especially one that may not be so obvious at the beginning. So you talk about that and you make sure that, again, if you are a female, it's very important to talk about your uh, menstrual cycle and your obstetrical and gynecological 
history. You talk about uh, when you had your first period. You might even write down when your mother or other siblings had their uh, first periods and how the periods were. Were they regular or irregular? Did you need to be uh, under certain types of medications uh, to um, m- regulate? And you also need to uh, keep a diary of pregnancies and deliveries. Sometimes a person can get pregnant and they may have a miscarriage or a DNC or an abortion. And sometimes they may have a child. And sometimes they may have a child that then passes away very quickly. So it's important to have a record of all pregnancies and either deliveries or some answers so that the total number of pregnancies equals the total number of whatever other issues happened. Am I clear on that one? Does mm-hmm. that one make sense to you, Christina? Oh, yeah. Yes, it does. Very clear. Okay. okay. Good. Yeah. So the, and, and if there are complications from uh, obstetrical points of view, do you have bad periods? Did they get better with this procedure or this medication, et cetera, going on from there? And then you can, you need to include gynecological uh, surgical procedures, even though we might consider that in the regular surgery uh, portion of the past medical history, like an appendectomy, I think there's a special area that you should recognize uh, about the uterus and the ovaries uh, and the female genitalia. So if you have any surgeries or any history of any medical problems, ovarian cysts, uterine fibroids, mm. uh, these are all different terms for different uh, pathological states that could happen to a woman. Uh, so these all need to be considered in in the process. Do you have any question about anything that I said yet, oh, Christina? No, not at all. I think I think this is very clear for everyone, um, Glenn. Because there's also, um, I would say, our history is really important. Our parents' history is really important, and you know, I come from a culture, you know, the Asian <laughs> culture, where mum's the word. Mm -hmm. a lot of cultures are like that yeah you don't basically it's you don't hang out your dirty laundry for everyone to see and hear and etc and and i think and i feel that if you are from one of these cultures where you've kept things hush it would behoove you as being a responsible parent to actually share these this your history with your child Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how old they are, you know, um, because it's, it's so important for them to have an understanding. So even as we get older, as like I watch my mother now in her late eighties, um, luckily I had spoken to her 20 years ago and I had started the conversation and I had started to list things down of her history that she remembers. Excellent. Excellent. You know, so that as she's getting older, we can see, you know, the, 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 how she's, uh, flowing, how she's developing, you know, in her, um, more mature years. Uh, and we can start to also be proactive in whatever way we can. For her and for all, all of her siblings who, I mean, not just siblings, but all of her progeny that, uh, yes. may be looking into the future as they look at their mother Absolutely. and they have the opportunity to, either gracefully move into that same process or to <laughs> try and totally avoid it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Another gracefully, part of, I'm full on going the other direction. 
Well, you know, I mean, it's all relative. Uh, yes. Einstein said it's relative. If we watched you doing it going in a completely different direction, <laughs> some of us might think it was still graceful on your part. Yeah. <laughs> Just we'll give kidding. you that. Just kidding. <laughs> we'll give you that. Uh, the other part of the uh, history in terms of the OB and GYN is I think it's important to have some kind of a sexual history. And this, this is where uh, people may not want to offer all of the truth, but... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true, yes. <laughs> but, but sometimes to determine certain issues, uh, it's good to know because there are certain diseases that have more of a prevalence for people with uh, variations on sexual history. Mm-hmm. So then we go to uh, what I call it's the family history. And the family history is to write down this goes to uh, parents, grandparents, siblings, um, and even your children, if you want to include that in this. But mainly it's people that have come at the same time as you or before you. And it's good to have factors in there that's, that are the same. Do you know what their family history was? Do you know what surgical problems they had? Did they have congestive heart failure or coronary artery disease or pulmonary emphysema? Or did they have diabetes or did they have eye problems or joint problems? Uh, a number of things like that. How old are they? Are they still alive? Did they pass away? What, what was the cause of their death? All of these are really important things that can help you in determining your lifestyle, as we said, and help your doctor in determining as you move forward again. So I really want to stress that. So you want to go over as far back as you possibly can. Most of us are pretty happy if we know what our parents' ages, their parents were when they died or still alive or what diseases they have. We don't necessarily know grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents. But the more that you delve into it, sometimes it becomes just interesting on its own in terms of not medical history, but just the family tree history. That becomes Mm -hmm. very interesting. I know there's lots of websites or things like that. But you go through it and you make sure, you know, did your parents have history of uh, alcoholism even or psychiatric illnesses? You know, these are the kind of things that are very helpful to us. And you go over the same thing with all of your siblings. What are your siblings coming up with, especially if they're older, you know, and you're finding out that two of two elder, older siblings have uh, had coronary artery disease? You know, and you haven't had it yet because you're doing a different lifestyle and have different things. It's important to know that. So we go we go through the whole family history, and then you go to the next area that I look at is the social history. And when I say I look at all all doctors try and look at this to some degree, and this has to do with many social things. It has to do with your living arrangements. Are you single? Are you married? What kind of occupation do you have? And occupation may have uh, an important part if you're a coal miner, for example, and you're coming in with respiratory problems, that, that certainly is significant. So occupation is important. Marital status is very important. It also has to do with number of children that you have, uh, what type of social uh, things do you uh, join in. Do, are, do you drink uh, a drink every night? Do you have wine with dinner? Uh, do you have a six-pack of beer on the weekend? 
that's part of the social history. Are you a tobacco smoker? Uh, were you a tobacco smoker? Did you quit? Were you an alcoholic? Did you quit? Are you in AA? All of these things are very important. Or have you taken Ill- uh, street drugs, illicit drugs? Uh, did you have any reactions to them? All of these are issues that are good to know. Now, these are some of the areas where people may not want to be as truthful again, but at least in your own history, uh, you need to know uh, these things and they should be written down for yourself. Exposure to any environmental pathogens. You know, if you were in Vietnam and you were exposed to Agent Orange, if you live out in a uh, area where there's a lot of farm and there's a lot of industrial uh, chemical spraying uh, over farms and and uh, pastures, etc. cetera. Uh, also around uh, other types of pets. You might be somebody that works with exotic animals or works at a zoo uh, or you have pets of your own. It's It's important to know all of these things. So that's part of the social history that we talk about. Uh, any questions about the social history, Christina? Mm, pets too. Yeah, it's good to know. You know, we see uh, a lot of times kids in certain parts of the country might get a pet turtle, a little baby turtle at oh, some yes. resort, and suddenly that kid comes down with a disease that can be from the turtle. Mm. Or uh, newborns, if they're exposed to certain types of pets, certain cats carry certain uh, diseases, certain birds mm-hmm. uh, yes, carry diseases. So it's important to be aware of that. And and in doing this, it may, again, it may make you decide to change a lifestyle. If you have some birds and you find out that these birds can cause problems and you're deciding to have a child, uh, you may want to consider that. And by going through this history and being aware of medicine and the causes and effects and the realities and the causalities, et cetera, it, it may give you information that will help you in your own decision-making proactively to determine whether or not you want to keep this bird when you're deciding to have a child or mm. something like that, or you want to go out and buy a bird the very same day that you got a child. Uh, there are lots of things that it, it makes you think about, and you still may do it, but at least you've thought about it appropriately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Then we talk about uh, medications. That's another part of the history. And medications are important, not only the medications that you may be on today, but also the medications that you've been on the past for different things. It's important to try and remember them for many reasons. You may have been on certain antibiotics for a certain problem, and now you've been on it so long that if you come up with another problem, we may not want to give you that antibiotic because you've developed an immunity and we'll know that uh, at least potentially to think about that ahead of time because you've given that history. Uh, medications that we were on that had uh, side effects that we want to know about. And now, uh, you know, it's interesting that I was going to say now we have to include herbal medications and over-the-counter medications, but in reality, mm-hmm. at the very beginning of time, uh, that's what we took the history on. It was the herbals and the, there was no, I don't even think there was over the counter, probably over the rock, over the, over the rock medication. Well, the rock was used to grind it. That's right. That's right. So it's important to 
have that list of medications and keep it updated at all times. <clears throat> if you were, if your doctor had you on a certain medication and then took you off it and put you on a different one, it's good to have both of those down there, one that you were on and, and then possibly even why they took you off it. Mm, you know, that's so important. It, yeah. Is it because you had a side effect or is it because there's a newer, better uh, medication out with less side effects? So it's very important to get these. And, uh, you know, in medications, uh, I would certainly not include and I would not uh, promote the idea of writing down a medication when uh, you took a friend's antibiotic because you thought you had an infection. So that's that's not the medications <laughs> oh, <no>. we, we <laughs> want you to be doing. Medications that you're on. And again, and be... Uh, liberal with this in terms of if you take lots of teas, for example, uh, and you're taking it for herbal reasons and you're taking supplements for different reasons, those all need to be included because they may not be causing a problem for you, but at a time when you might develop some kind of an illness or an injury, those supplements uh, as we speak about with Tracy Harrison in our nutrition talks, sometimes those supplements are not as good for you during certain procedures or certain illnesses, whereas they're better for you in either healing or prevention. So it's very good for the doctor to know all of that. <clears throat> uh, so we move on, and, and we move on again and talk about the uh, process of allergies. Mm. Now, this... This flows very easily from medicines and medications and herbs. So if you know that you do have an allergy to a medication, that is one of the most important things that we look at in medicine, in the emergency department where I used to work and in hospitals. One of the most important things that people talk about and people are aware of and they have wristbands and big red letters on a patient's chart and warnings and uh, a number of things. When a person comes in and says, I'm allergic to, and they say penicillin is one of the common ones. But as soon as we know that there's an allergy to something, the whole chart looks different. There are red mm. signs and red flags that have allergies so that even if a doctor or somebody else comes up and takes a look at the chart, even before they know your name, even before they know why you're in the hospital, they already know that you're allergic to something mm. and to be aware of it. And it's very important because it's very easy for a physician to, you know, think about uh, an illness and then for, and think that, oh, the normal treatment for a strep throat might be penicillin. And so their natural inclination is just say, oh, yeah, sore throat, penicillin but they have to be aware of your allergies so that they think penicillin and go, oh, no, we don't want that. And sometimes there's even examples that it's very subtle that you wouldn't think about this. And I'll give you an example of that. Let's say you were on an antibiotic at some point and it was a sulfa-type medication. You developed an allergy to the sulfa medication. Mm. Uh, so you now know that you have a, a sulfa allergy which is fine when it comes to things like antibiotics because then I can decide that you don't need this one because it has sulfa in it. But there are other things. There are other medications and treatments. For example, when somebody comes in with a burn, 
we use a special type of uh, chemically uh, soaked pad to put on the burn that is like an antibiotic, but it has sulfa in it. Mm. And we don't think of it as a sulfa drug, but it does have sulfa in it. And so if this person has an allergy, and we know that, and we know that this burn medication has sulfa in it, then we'll make that choice not to give you that and give you something else, thereby not causing a, a worse problem. A few other areas to talk about in terms of allergies and medical reactions are, aside from uh, you know what we've talked about already, which might include foods uh, and medications, it's also important to talk about environmental factors. And two of the other things that we think about in the hospital are contrast material. Now, what do I mean by contrast material? That's the thing that we inject into you or that you might swallow uh, so that we can get a better imaging study of, of a part of the body. So that that contrast material, uh, it used to be barium, it could be uh, a number of other things now, gastrographin, it could be something with iodine in it. And there are people that are allergic to iodine. So if somebody knows they're allergic to iodine and we're sending them in for a, a CAT scan of their brain with contrast, uh, you know, because they already have a problem, <laughs> then we need to know. So if you've had a problem or if you have a problem with iodine or something to that effect, that's important to put in your medical history because we may not get to that at a certain point. And if you're not thinking about it because you got rushed into the hospital, this is very important. And in terms of allergies, I would also say to people, if you have some kind of a serious allergy where you can uh, go into anaphylactic shock where your blood mm. pressure and pulse drop and you stop breathing due to some kind of a, either envenomation from a bee sting or or eating a strawberry or shellfish, um, you need to carry some kind of a warning system on yourself, just like the charts that we use in the hospital in the emergency department. And you talk about the medic alert bracelets, I believe, to uh, mention this. So if you're found lying on the street in a coma and a paramedic picks you up and they see that bracelet on you that says allergic to, that first gives them an indication that they should not give you something specific, but it also might give them an indication of, you know, if you passed out right outside of a seafood uh, <laughs> restaurant, you know, they may be able to put two and two together and save your life. Mm -hmm. And the other final thing I want to talk about with the allergies is if you've ever had any surgeries and you've had problems with certain types of anesthesia, that's an important thing to uh, put down in your past medical history. So if you have a reaction, because most of the time now, before you go into surgery, especially for an elective type of procedure, you will meet with the anesthesiologist. You might not meet with them weeks in advance. You might meet with them only 15 or 20 minutes before you go into surgery, but they'll talk to you for a little while and they'll ask you some of these things. And if you know that you've had a problem with anesthesia in the past, oh, the doctor gave me some of this and some of that, and it was bad for me. And then the next time I had this, the doctor gave me this and that, and it really worked well. That gives them clues as to your anesthesia issues, and they can prepare cocktails for you that, that will still be beneficial, but not cause as many side effects. Mm. Mm. Any questions in all of that? That was a big kind of a 
big area. <laughs> it's a huge area. Um, I, I do have a few questions, Ben. You know, uh, one finds out about an allergy to a medication is when they actually have taken it and have had adverse reaction. Isn't that correct? Uh, most of the time, if, <clears throat> if for example, uh, you may have an indicator, and this is why I talk about the take finding about your family history. If you know that a mother and your father both had allergies to this and, and some of your siblings had it, it gives you an idea of the possibility that you might. And it may make you decide that you never want to take it to find out about it. Mm, so mm. you can avoid some kind of a reaction. But yes, for the most part, it's after you've taken something and you get a reaction to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what happens with these children who aren't immunized and who are away from the thick of it all, <laughs> so to say, <laughs> you know, as they get older uh, and God forbid something might happen to them and they end up in emergency or something like that and they are given any kind of medication like an antibiotic or whatever it might be. I mean, what would your suggestion be to parents such as I? Well, it's a great question. And I think, first of all, being aware of your kids and, and having that communication. If your child shows up in an emergency department with you for a problem, <clears throat> try and discuss it. that. It's important that the doctor, in trying to figure out what's wrong, uh, knows that my child has not had immunizations and therefore my child has not had a tetanus shot and he just cut himself right now on a rusty nail. It, what we would have to do is weigh all of the benefits and essentially we would start an immunization schedule on your child at that very moment uh, as if they were coming in before anything ever happened to them but doing it in a more rapid manner because we have to weigh the risks and benefits. Would we rather still not give them tetanus and watch them get tetanus? Or would we rather take the opportunity of assuming they're not really allergic to it and it will benefit them? If they mm. turn out to be allergic to it, then number one, it was it was important to do it anyway because we did want to try and prevent tetanus. Mm -hmm. Number two, we'll be looking for it much more carefully, we may recognize it a lot sooner, and we will have treatments that can antidotes. And, and if we don't have an antidote specifically because we know what's going to happen and how the body reacts, mm -hmm. we will have chemistry that we can use to keep you uh, to keep your body vital signs stable until you get through all of the toxins and they're out of your body. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, would they, would they ever, is it possible to ever do a test, like, like inject a little bit to see if there's a reaction Absol in 10 minutes? Or Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Testing, testing is very important. And we do allergy testing, uh, mm -hmm. on many people, kids usually will show up where they already have some kind of, uh, their own existence speaks allergies. They break out in hives over things. They get eczema. They're, they have asthma. They're an allergic type of person, So, or they have food problems. So definitely there's many types of things that could be tested ahead of time. And there are different types of testing. There's skin scratch testing. There's blood testing, number of other mm -hmm. things. And if you think your child may be allergic to things, and usually it's 
uh, because there's already a problem going on. They can test you for it. Now, I will say that there are many times that there are variations and there's a spectrum on allergy. A true allergic reaction is one specific thing, but there's also other types of reactions. There might be a hypersensitivity reaction to something, but you're not truly allergic to that thing. So many people go through their lives saying, oh yeah, I took penicillin and it gave me an upset stomach, therefore I'm allergic to it. Mm, mm. And they're not really allergic to it, right. but that's how they go through life. And that's not a good way to go through life because they may have some kind of an illness where penicillin would be the simplest and easiest thing to give them, but they're so afraid of taking it because they believe they're allergic to it uh-huh. that uh, they miss out on that and may have to take a, a different drug, which may have more side effects. Right. So yes, testing could be done, but also try and make sure that when you say you're actually allergic to something, it's truly an allergy and your doctor can help you with that. Mm-hmm. There are different types of reactions that people can get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I mean, um, I also want to bring notice on a episode that we did, episode 46 on Trinity of Life, where mm-hmm. we interviewed uh, a woman who uh, created a whole line of products for children with allergies. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, those medic alert bracelets, they're those metal, <laughs> right. those metal bracelets. I could remember when I was young and I had asthma not to wear that thing. It was so ugly. It was so awful. <laughs> But she's uh, produced a whole wonderful line of lunch boxes, uh, uh, kids' medic alert bracelets, uh, um, necklaces. Um, these uh, the the packets to actually put any syringes in mm-hmm. for any emergencies, and they're all. Uh, very kid-friendly, and it specifies on every package what they're allergic to, whether it be gluten, peanuts, you know, uh, um, medication. It, it's all very specific. And the kids actually put these things together, so it makes it more fun. And then when they wear it every day, the teachers or the helpers will always be able to read on their lunch boxes what not to give them. <laughs> because that's where a lot of accidents happen, is, is in the classrooms of these little kids. So... Oh, absolutely. I like that. It's interesting that uh, your episode 46 and Trinity and my episode 46 uh, was uh, on the present illness, which was the one part of the uh, medical history we left out today. Oh, how interesting. Yeah, so I think everyone should go to both of our 46 episodes. (laughs) That's a good number, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Uh, You had a few more questions? Uh, uh, No, I don't think so. Okay. I, I well, might come back. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> so there, there is another part of the um, medical history and the past medical history, which I'm not really going to go over too much today because this is uh, one where it's definitely on the form, but sometimes it's one where the doctor may want to actually ask some questions about it because it's related to the uh, the past medical history history, and also your present illness. And this is called review of systems. And this is where we do a systematic questioning uh, where we start. I usually start from the head, and I will ask questions about, do you have any problems with your scalp, your hair, uh, your head? Do you get headaches? Things like that. And I ask a number of questions about the head. Then I go to eyes. I ask about vision and double vision and blurring. I talk about the ears and I ask about 
ringing in the ears or loss of balance, nose, the smell, uh, taste, the throat, swallowing. Uh, then I move down into the chest and ask about lungs and respiratory problems, ask about the heart and heart problems in the cardiovascular system. We go into the gastrointestinal tract where we ask about stomach and digestion and intestines and bowel movements uh, and possibly bleeding, noting blood in the stools. Uh, we then look at the uh, ureterogenital system with the kidneys. Do you have any blood in your urine? Do you have any back pain? Have you had kidney stones? A number of things like that. We look at uh, penis and testes, and then we look at the skin. We look at the musculoskeletal parts. Do you have joint problems, uh, any bone disease or muscular disorders, things like that? Uh, we look at the neurological, we look for sensory things, history of seizures, um, any numbness in a body part or weakness or motor dysfunction. Uh, and we also look at kind of mental. Now, I also look at emotional systems and I look at spiritual systems uh, also. But this is where we, we do the review of systems. And this is good for you to do on your own and but this is one that's not just about past medical history. This is about continuing being aware of yourself at all times. Are you starting to get some things going on? And as long as you keep checking yourself periodically, and I don't mean to a hypochondriacal, uh, obsessive compulsive um, way of doing it, but at least, uh, you know, variations like we talk about a breast exam or a skin exam or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's good to continuously review your systems and to have all of that in mind if something starts coming up. So we look at, we go through this entire review of the systems and that either helps us again to determine what kind of blood tests we may need or uh, other types of testing or screening. And there might be something, for example, that is picked up where you come in because, and this happened to me one time. Uh, in the emergency department, and a person came in. It was a gentleman in his mid-50s who was complaining of chest pain. And when I examined him, you know, you, as soon as you hear the word chest pain, you start thinking about the heart and the lungs and heart attacks and what type of things can can take you out. And those are the things that we think about quickly. So I did the history uh, and I did my physical examination and he had chest pain, but it was really rib pain. So I wasn't as worried anymore about whether he was having a heart attack or something like that. And he, he hadn't fallen or anything, but he was definitely having rib pain. And so when I was reviewing his systems, he had noted, uh, some difficulty with bowel movements and, and some blood in his stools. So as part of my physical exam, under normal circumstances, one may not consider doing uh, a rectal exam on the person, but because he complained about the difficulty with the bowel movements and the uh, blood in the stools, I did a rectal exam on him, and his prostate was extremely large, and I felt a firm mass there, and it turned out when we started working him up, that he had cancer of the prostate with metastases to the bone in his ribs or the, the bones in his chest, wow. which is how we picked all of this up. And in this particular case, it was because of the review of systems. 
mm-hmm. and asking those questions. So this is another very important part of that. So I think kind of in closing, unless you have something else, I just want to I want to say that at the beginning I talked about this being a trans transition period, you know, in, in original medicine or in modern medicine, you could spend a lot of time with the doctor taking the history and, and getting all of this down. But in more modern times now, uh, now it's a form that you're going Mm -hmm. to fill out. Well, we're kind of in a transition stage. I mean, just doing what we do with the computers and, and our program and all of the things that's out there. Now, there's a lot of software out there to help you to find maybe to write down, look at a template for a, hit, a physical and so that you can remember it other than um, the other way would be to watch this show continuously until you get it all down. <laughs> if you can remember and take so many notes, of course. <laughs> right. But uh, there's a lot of software out there. And one of the other things that's beginning to happen, I, I alluded to earlier about the thumb drive where you can keep your history on it. And we will have uh, some point, there'll be a chip that's inserted under your skin that will have your history and everything else on it. And not only that, but in the, at some point, it will probably update every cell in your body every few seconds to tell everything about you, and it will continuously be updated. But the problem is that that software is not out here today. And tomorrow, you may need to go see your doctor. So mm-hmm. I really suggest that in this transition period, you you take to heart all of the things we talked about today mm-hmm. and put down a medical history for each family member. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I'd like to also mention that uh, several years ago, one of the shows that we were at, we ran into a vendor that had these, what they call Amber Alert it's one of these USB. It's a very cute one, though. It's little elephants, and it has a little USB port right on top here because whenever there is any emergencies, <laughs> as we all parents know, when we're under a little stress, whether it be for our children or an elderly parent or a loved one, we get pretty frantic there. And, and they came out with these Amber Alerts. Mainly, it was for children who might have disappeared or gone missing. But what happens is on these, you they keep a picture and a medical history. So, and you can do it for all the family members as well, because if, and it's a very distinct little unit, it's not just one of these little USB drives with a bunch of data. If you take it to a hospital or a police um, station, they plug it into their computers, it will list everything that they need to know, as long as you keep it updated, of course. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. And just to interrupt the, I was doing some research while you were doing the show, and I found there's a number of different apps. If you just type type in a search on the App Store, um, either I'm looking on an iPad, but you could probably do it on the Android Store as well. Uh, for what is the show title? Medical history. Medical history. So the you just search medical in history. medical history. Just, just you don't need the. Just medical history. I need and the. You uh, there's about sixty plus apps in there. Many of them are doctor oriented, uh, but there's quite a, uh, just as many that are patient oriented. Uh, probably the topic that I have in the better part of you know forty five minutes of research is one called Health Spec, all one word Health Spec, and they've got a pretty uh, ingenious system. You input everything just like the form uh, Glenn was talking about. You can put all your information in for all your family members, and then you, they'll even print out an ID card. 
And that mm. ID card you can keep in your wallet and it has an emergency code on it so that if, mm. you know, you're unconscious and you're picked up, you know, and you rush to a hospital, they can find this in your wallet. They'll go to the website, type in the ID, and then it'll pull up all your history, even if you're not able to log into a mm-hmm. website. So mm-hmm. there's some pretty cool stuff, you know, technology-wise besides getting a chip implant. So I have a few quick questions. First of all, thank you for interrupting us. Get back to your face. <laughs> <laughs> put, put your face back on there. My Come face. On. Yeah, you your face. Is, yes, you want, no, they we want, want your, your face. face because I have a question to ask you now. Um, you brought up the app and things like that. So I would like to suggest for our viewers that uh, maybe you and I do a show together about some really great medical apps out there, uh, some for the doctors and healthcare practitioners, but also for our viewers and people that just want to be more health conscious. How about if we do a, some episode on apps together? Uh, that we can do, and I will shout it out to anybody uh, in our audience who is listening. If you happen to know of a good app, um, you know, so that we can prepare for a future show, please go ahead and leave it in the comments, and we'll review it, and maybe we'll have a future show reviewing all kinds of medical-related apps. I think that has to be reviewed like at least three times a year. <laughs> yeah. So my other question about that is. So while Christine and I were busy doing the show, you were off researching? Yes. You mean you wanted me here mixing your video? (laughs) (laughs) No, of course not. I I think everything, you know, I think everything went pretty smooth with you out there researching. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs me? Anyway, Christina, I think we're coming to the end of the show. Unless you have some comments, uh, we went inside the doctor's bag again. Ooh, I love that doctor's bag. It's full yeah. of these wonderful mysteries that are just lying in there. <laughs> well, we're trying to bring it out. We're trying to bring out uh, and demystify the mysteries and do preparatory medicine. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I, I really believe I, this is a very important show because I know it's how much it's benefited me. And, uh, you know, it, it, it can be very simple, too. It doesn't need to be on an app. It doesn't need to be on an iPhone. It can be the good old-fashioned way. I have this little diary that I have on my bedside, and I note every fever my child has. I note what I've given him, etc. because as, as uh, most of you listeners might very well know, I don't take my child to the doctor that often. <laughs> so, um, you know, when I do, it's, it's serious. It's something that, that, um, it's, it's serious enough to have him there, you know, high fevers for a little too long or anything like that. But, you know, everything is noted and I can take this book in with me, this little book that fits into my purse. And it's like, okay, on this date, this happened on this date, this happened, this is what he was given. And, you know, a year ago, this was the repeat about the same time of the year. <laughs> you know, what is this? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, exactly. That's perfect. Yeah, it's so important because, because everybody, when they come into the doctor's office, one of the important things on their mind, aside from uh, what's wrong with them, is time. Time is on their mind. And if you're in a waiting room for a long time, that's getting on your mind. If you're in pain at that same time or nauseated and vomiting, it uh, the time becomes even more stressful. And that's the last time or the least amount of time where you want to be spending talking about important things and you may not remember them. So that's why this is important. But I think we've mm-hmm. stressed that enough today. <laughs> I would like to thank our very special guest. <laughs> and uh, I am... Um, 
appreciative always of <laughs> my teachers and my healers who have brought me on my journey and allowed me to be where I am today. Thank you for Christina for uh, another great show and Segovia who made an appearance today. Uh, I'm looking forward to being with all of you next week as we travel through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy searching for optimal health. And of course, thank you to our wonderful guest and co-host, Dr. Glenn Woolman, for digging into his medical uh, medical bag for us. And of course, Segovia for jumping in. <laughs> And to each and every one of you for joining us on this new platform of education and information. You know, we hope that uh, you will give us some feedback. We really look forward to it all the time. We would like to know how we can serve you better. Please join us every Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. And Fraternity of Life on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and every other week for Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. And of course, uh, for all of you out there, again, we cannot stress enough of how we would love your comments and suggestions for shows, uh, for people, for topics, um, for wonderful uh, uh, experts out there that you'd like us to interview further. Please give us a call at 818 818- Let's talk. 818, let's talk. Until next time, namaste. YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. Come join Dr. Glenn Woolman and Christina Suzuma as they journey through the healthcare galaxy interviewing doctors, healthcare practitioners in the attempt to share ways to achieve optimal health. Join us on yogahub.tv every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. So, so I, have, I have questions for Tracy. It's like, I finally, I found the grass-fed milk. Mm-hmm. And then now it's like, okay, non-homogenized. All right, what does homogenized mean? Do you know? <clears throat> Are you familiar with, I mean, I've seen it for so many years, right? Homogenized, ultra-pasteurized, and I've already learned, do not drink ultra-pasteurized milk. And it's like, okay, but what is the process? What what are they killing out of our milk? (laughs) Are you going to drink it? Yeah, out of the, in the pasteurization process, they're killing a... uh a bug called the Pastorella pestis, and there's oh. a few other things. There's a bug that they're actually killing that can be transmitted to people, which they, it's, it's like, like a, a parasite? Small, it's like a pox. No, it's it's not a parasite as much as it's more of a, a bacteria, hmm. some form of a bacteria, I believe it is. But people were coming down, especially the people that were the farmers that were milking the cows. They were getting... Uh, lesions all over themselves, like <gasps> smallpox or different types of pox. And they found that eventually Louis Pasteur uh, eventually found uh, that it was this, I think, bacillus that he was able to then take the milk where he found it and pasteurize it or get rid of this pest hmm. and so that people can drink it. A lot of people are proponents of raw milk. I'm not really a proponent of that. I think it's, uh, you know, I think all the things, so many of the things we talk about may have to do with in the Paleolithic era when 
milk might have been a little more clean, but now right. that we have all things in it, uh, it may not be quite as healthy to be raw. You'd have to know where the cows were and what their conditions were, and mm -hmm. it still makes me a little bit nervous. Mm -hmm.